Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Reverend Larry, you noticed, is not here today. This is to welcome Reverend Christine Green. Reverend Green has been teaching and counseling others for over 30 years, both nationally and abroad. She is currently the assistant minister at New Thought CSL. She has a master's in religious studies and is the author of several books and articles on caregiving and women's issues. Reverend Christine lives in Lake Oswego. Her hobbies are hiking, photography, and cleaning out closets. Thank you all for being here today. I'm so grateful that Reverend Larry invited me to be here. Isn't it wonderful to be in spiritual community together? And yes, I do clean out closets. I enjoy cleaning them out. It's a profound spiritual practice. And no, I will not come and clean out yours. But I will show you how to clean out yours and how to incorporate it as a spiritual practice. I'd be happy to do that for you. What a wonderful place to be. This is what Ernest Holmes says about our philosophy. Many people may be under the mistaken concept that the metaphysical philosophy is attractive to people because it says that God is good and everything is all right. Therefore, there is nothing to fear. This is far from the truth. What it says is this. Do you wish to be loved? Then stop hating. Do you want to be happy? Then be sure that you are never the occasion for unhappiness in others. We are a personal responsibility center. We teach the principles that each of us get to take and use, that we are a catalyst for our own good. I believed that before. I believed that, okay, I'm just going to pray and know that everything's fine. And then I was didn't do anything in the meantime. I was miserable in the meantime. That's wishful thinking. But we are a personal responsibility center. We have these principles that we believe in, and each one of us has the opportunity to use them for our own good. This is what Reverend David Alexander says. Come, learn the principles, apply them in your own life, and be ever mindful that in our deeply connected world, since there is only one of us here, your personal application is not void or separate from the collective application to all humanity. So whatever you do individually works for all humanity. Isn't that wonderful to know that we each make a difference out in the world? I liken it, and that's the emotional you. It's the wave that each wave that comes, that you see in the ocean is unique. It's individual. You see it, and it's put your toes in it, and it's wonderful, and it goes back into the hole. It's part of the hole, but it's unique and individual, and that's what we are. But this work only works if we work it, right? Otherwise, we're pretty miserable. I was, when I started in this movement, I first started back in the early 80s. I was introduced to Science of Mind by a, with a minister, you may or may not know, Reverend Terry Cole Whitaker. And so there was a, a 
derogatory article written about her in the, in the San Diego Tribune about this woman minister talking about prosperity. And I said, wow, I want to go there. <laughs> and I went, and the minute I walked in, I knew I was home. Did you have that feeling? When you walked into your first church, I just knew I was home. And I, how could I get started? What can I do? So I started volunteering in the reception office, answering the phones. And then I stepped into children's church and in about two weeks became the director. But that's another story. Um, I was the director of children's church. And then there was a job opening as a class registrar. And it was a job opening. And I was like, I have to work there. So I went to my boss where I worked and I said, can I, can I go part-time so I can have this other part-time job at my church? And he agreed. And I didn't know how that was going to work. The numbers didn't quite work, but I walked out in faith. And it was there that I started. I met Linda. And Linda was the cause of my spiritual practice. Did you ever meet someone that was the cause of your spiritual practice? Somebody that pushed your buttons every day? Linda was training me to do my job. It was her job, and now she was moving on, so she's training me to do my job, and I couldn't do anything right. I didn't make the forms right. We had to redo the forms. I didn't make the right flyer. She corrected me and corrected me and trained me and trained me, and she was the source of my discomfort, and I talked about her all the time. <laughs> Linda did this, and Linda did that, and Linda said this, and Linda said that. And one day at dinner, my boyfriend said, I'm really sorry you're having a hard time at work, but it's like Linda is living with us. <laughs> and I can't have her living here anymore. And he said, I took a class at church that I really liked. And if you're willing, I will pay for you to take this class. <laughs> but it taught me a lot about my own thinking and my own understanding of my life. And I thought about it and I said, all right, sure, I'll take it because it has nothing to do with me. Linda is the problem. <laughs> So, sure, I'll take your class. It was a great class. It introduced me to the principles. It introduced me to my own personal responsibility. And I saw where I was blaming, where I, where I was criticizing. I gave Linda all my power, and she had power over me. And I, and I saw that I did that. So I, I used those principles. And it was the best thing I could have done because it introduced me to what I needed to do for my spiritual growth. I learned the practice of mindfulness. One of the basic principles that we teach that is so powerful and wonderful that I am aware of my own thinking that I am the observer of my thoughts. And through meditation and journaling, through conscious awareness, through prayer, I know that as I know what my thoughts are, I can have dominion over them. And I can be empowered. And when we have that, we have freedom. 
Ernest Holmes says my favorite, my favorite line, a trained mind is infinitely more powerful than an untrained mind. When we train our minds, we have dominion in the world. And so I studied and you know what? I stopped blaming Linda because I saw my pattern was that I'm not enough. I believed I was not enough. And Linda reinforced that every time. So now I knew my pattern. So now when I heard that, I didn't take it on. That wasn't mine. She's making a suggestion. She's showing me how to do something different. And I kind of liked Linda after a while. <laughs> we became friends. And then you know what happened? She left. Because she wasn't my teacher anymore. She got to move on and go on to do her thing. But I learned something that, that helped me immensely. When we're aware of our thinking, when we're aware of our emotions, this is called emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, to control, and to express one's emotions. When I understand my emotions, I can have dominion. When I know where they're coming from, I can have dominion. We live in a world where our emotions have been hijacked. That we read the news, we look online, we hear what someone says, everyone has a belief that they're spouting and they tell us and they hijack our emotions. Here's what Warren Buffett says. You will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. We have the tools that get us past our fears to understand our emotions and to be present with them. We don't have to be hijacked by our phones, by social media, by the news, by what someone else says, but we can have power over what do I believe about that? I may have a reaction, but what am I believing about that? And, and what do I need to know to do my work? It's a powerful tool that we have because what social media has done is they've created this dopamine-driven feedback loop. And they activate that dopamine level in the brain that rewards us, and so we want more of that. So whether it's a game, did you ever try to stop playing Candy Crush? <laughs> did you ever stop trying to play Spider Solitaire? It's because it's created to give you that reward over and over again. So it's addictive. It's an addiction, and we're addicted to it. And we're addicted to all the, all the outside sources that are giving us all that stuff. We're taking it in. But if, when we have the power, we're not reactive to it. Social media has created an arms race for our attention. They are desperate to get to our attention. Not only social media, but all the apps. They've tapped into this idea and that they're creating all of this to use it as to how they can make us think and feel. And when we go unconscious, we're just, we're just down that river.
with, uh, without a place to stop. But if we can recognize it, we have the power. And that's what this work is. We want to have the power to do good in the world, right? We want to make a difference. So if I can have power for good, I'm doing good work in the world. So emotions are so important to be able to understand them because once we understand them, they're giving us information. So what are you feeling right now? Just take a moment in the silence. Notice how you're feeling. Okay, how does that feel for you to be in the silence? Most people are nodding, good. Because we've practiced, right? We know how to practice. Did you identify your emotions? What are some of your emotions? Peace? Joy? Yeah, okay, <laughs> more joy. <laughs> so you noticed your emotions, that you, you were able to pay attention. And when we're in the silence, that's when we can do that. We're comfortable with it because we've practiced, because we know the tools. Not everyone is comfortable with silence. In fact, they did a study in the University of Vir in Virginia, and they recruited volunteers to take part in thinking periods. So they put them in a room, took away their cell phones and their belongings, put them in a sparsely furnished room, and they said, okay, this group, you think about this, and this group, you think about whatever you want, and let us know how that works. About 50% of the people said they didn't like it. Most, uh, they said that they were bored. They didn't like it. So the re researchers said, well, let's take this a step further. So they put people in a room, and again, no belongings, sparsely furnished, and they gave them an option. They said, you can push this button, and it will give you an electric shock. And it's up to you if you want to do it or not. So they would put the per people in the room, and they, they had a choice, whether they wanted to give themselves an electric shock or not. <laughs> Seems ridiculous, right? 67% of the men and 25% of the women gave themselves an electric shock. <laughs> rather, rather than be alone with their thoughts. What does that tell us? That that discomfort and that need to fill the time every moment where we know and we practice the power of loving and being in the silence, of recognizing the power in that and the freedom in that. That study that the researchers were so disheartened because these people had previously said on a survey that they would pay money rather than give themselves an electric shock. But they were so uncomfortable in being in the moment, in being in the silence. So they, they, what did they do? The researcher said, we want to teach you meditation. We want to teach you how to be with your thoughts, things that we know. 
how wonderful it is to have this emotional intelligence. When I have emotional intelligence, I'm aware of my emotions and the emotions of others around me. I am not reactive to people around me. If someone says something that pushes my button, I can quickly identify what I'm believing and shift my emotions. I can create the discipline of observing myself. And that creates an atmosphere of freedom. The more awareness I have, the more peace, freedom, power, and love I experience. Doesn't that sound like a plan? Yeah. So practicing emotional intelligence. What I found is that our three qualities that emerge from this awareness of self that support us in living a spiritual life. There's actually 27, but I narrowed it down to three, so <laughs> you're welcome, yeah. So humility. Humility is freedom from pride and arrogance. Fillmore says recognition that the personal man by himself is ineffectual. I of myself can do nothing. What's the rest of that scripture? I of myself can do nothing. The Father within does the work. Yeah, it's recognizing that the principle of God moves in and through and as me. So humility is being open. If I think I'm the one doing everything, then I'm controlling, right? Then I'm closed, I'm restricted that I'm the one that's gonna fix things. But when I have humility, I'm open. I'm open to that divine wisdom to come in. I'm open to receive possibilities. When my boyfriend back years ago said, will you go to this class? I could have said, what makes you think you can send me to a class? My ego could have said that but I was open and it changed my life. That simple thing, one thing changed my life. I don't have no memory of it other than it changed my life. <laughs> it doesn't, because it doesn't matter because every class you take at that moment is the class you need to take. It, it, that's what's, you've answered the call. And it doesn't matter because in that moment, that's what you need to receive. Have you ever taken a class more than once? Oh, yes, yes. Because every time it's new, right? Every time there's new information. Because we're, I'm a new person. Every time, it's I'm a new person receiving. Plus you're in a community where you get to receive from all your friends and you get to learn from your friends. So it, take whatever class comes up next, take it. Just do it, yes, thank you, just do it. When we have humility, we have greater self-compassion. When I have self-compassion, I have greater empathy for people around me. It changes us. The second one is the ability to surrender. Again, attachment does nothing. When I'm attached, it's that unwillingness to let go. It's that I'm too vested in making something work and I'm not willing to receive the possibilities 
there's always unlimited possibilities. When one door closes, another one opens. We never know how or when or why. We just have to be willing. And when we surrender, we allow that to happen. Hanging on to something doesn't work. It's that we are attached to it and frustrated with it and trying to make something happen. But what we know is that we live in a divine energy and a divine flow. And if I can be in that freedom, I can allow something new to come forward. Eckhart Tolle says, non-resistance, non-judgment, non-attachment are the three aspects of true freedom and enlightened living. So when we, we can be free when we allow ourselves to be open and receptive. There is a dynamic flow. Eric Butterworth in his book, The Flow of Life, just talks about that there's a dynamic flow that's moving in and through and as us. And the more open we can be, we receive. The more we stand in that willing and be willing, we receive that flow. The more we are in love, that love moves through us and as us, and we receive. So to be in the flow. And the third one is gratitude. Want to get in a vibration of love? Be grateful. Want to transform your, your feelings? Be grateful. Want to see things, see things every day differently? Start every day with gratitude. Have you ever tried to be grateful? Think of something that you're grateful for right now. Home. What else? What else are you grateful for? Flowers, spring, friends, that friend, yes, dog, your dog, sunshine, that those things that, okay, now try to be mad and think about those things. Doesn't work. It, it lifts us up. It changes the vibration. It changes our energy. And so when we're grateful, and whatever we're grateful for increases, because whatever you put your attention on increases. It's the law. It's spiritual principle. So if, I think, if I'm thinking of gratitude, I'm thinking good things. I lift up. I feel a little bit brighter, a little bit cheerier, a little bit more joy that it lifts me, it changes my energy. When it changes my energy, it changes the energy around me. When we think of something that we appreciate, we think of the qualities and we feel it. And when we feel it, we're aware of our emotions, we're changing our energy and how we see the world. It makes a difference. Who you are makes a difference. That's the message that we have. Each one of us makes a difference. Who you are and how you are makes a difference in the world. You are changing the world with your gratitude, with your humility, with your ability to surrender, with you being in the presence of love. Because isn't love the bottom line? It's the beginning, the middle, and end is love. And if we can move into love, we can transform 
transform the world because we're not listening to somebody else. We're not hijacked by someone else, but we have the feeling and expression and emotion of love, that vibration of love that we take out into the world. Ernest Holmes says, the essence of love, while elusive, pervades everything. It fires the heart, it stimulates the emotions, it renews the soul, it proclaims the spirit. Only love knows love, and love only knows love. How powerful is that for us to know love? I invite you today to be the manager of your emotional intelligence. Go out into the world, first of all, observe your emotions, recognize those beliefs, be mindful of what you're doing. And then with humility, with surrender and with gratitude, go out in the world and be that presence of love. And so let's take this all into prayer. Oh, just giving thanks and giving all glory to God for all of this good. I am so grateful, recognizing this eternal source of love, peace, joy, beauty that is God, flows in and through and as me and in and through and as every beloved here today through all humanity. And so love is the healing factor, and love moves through every cell, fiber, tissue, gland, organ, nerve, and bone of our bodies, knowing that as we go out in the world, we take this good that we receive here this day. We take these principles of truth that are embedded in us, that are, we are willing to share, to teach, to be the principles of love, peace, joy, beauty. We take this out in the world and know wherever we go, we shine this light of love. We shine this freedom of grace. We shine this expression of joy. How good it is to know that God is the source of all good. And so we just give grateful thanks for this abundant blessings, the abundant blessings of God flowing in and through and around us this day. I'm so grateful for all this good. I release this word with deep gratitude into the law, and together we proclaim it by saying, and so it is. Blessings to you all. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.